Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where OP sends some guy to jail for like 20 years. Our next Reddit post is from Moral Logjam. This took place years ago, but it still makes me laugh at the sheer stupidity of it all. It starts, as all truly great sagas published on the internet begin, when I met a random guy through a friend at a bar in the city. We'll call the guy Mark. My friend had introduced me to Mark, because for a few years leading up to that introduction, I shared an idea I had for a business with anyone who would listen. I was told that Mark wanted to start his own business, had worked in the industry, knew a lot about the subject matter required, and thought that my idea was good. Mark and I met up for lunch, we hit it off, he said that he'd start the business as the CEO, and agreed to me taking a part-time operational role. I agreed to help solely in a part-time operational role because I couldn't afford to quit my day job. I put in 15% of the cash for 5% ownership since Mark was going to put in founder hours of 80 hours a week. And he agreed to put up 85% of the cash, which was more money than I could afford to risk on a new venture. I worked part-time, I did what I said I would do, and I even tried to be of assistance on things that I had no experience with. I connected Mark with a guy I'd done business with before, Paul. Paul and I got into a dispute. More on this later. Anyways, let's fast forward a few months, and I got into a dispute with Mark over stationery. Yes, stationery not being to his liking caused him to flip out. This was despite him picking the stationery out. Next up, the contract that I got from Mark was not what we agreed on. The legal work required a few months to get done, and I had expected delays, but when I finally got it, the paperwork didn't represent what I had agreed to own. Not only that, but my investment wasn't being acknowledged under the terms that we had committed to when I put the money in. Now, as I said, I wasn't able to risk much, and I only invested what I could afford to lose, so this wasn't a huge sum of money. I didn't want to make a big deal about it, since the amount was small and he began promising a new contract when the business could pay for the lawyers to make changes. I signed nothing. Then, things got worse. Mark and I started to fight anytime we were in a room together. As I think back, it's almost comical how angry he would get in my presence. I have other things to do with my time than squabble over stuff like stationery, so I worked on my areas of the business and hoped things would grow. I stopped in whenever I could and would help out regularly as needed with as little Mark interaction as possible. Sometimes, Paul would intervene when Mark would get particularly difficult to be around. Anyway, fast forward about two years, and Mark can't help but tell everyone who will listen that business is going well. I have no idea how well things are going because Mark isn't giving me any updates. I get a call around Christmas from Mark. He wishes me a happy holiday, then drops the bomb on me that he wants to terminate my involvement and refund my investment. I decline the investment refund and say that I'm happy to no longer work with him. In my head, I think it's kind of hilarious that he thinks that this will just end that easily, but I say nothing about that to him. Mark and I hang up, with him aggravated about my refusal to refund my investment. Mark then sends me an email saying that I had resigned. This had no basis in fact, but certainly was written because of what we had just discussed. I corrected him immediately in my reply, stating that he no longer wanted to work together and that I can see that being the case, but I want to discuss my investments. A few days later, Mark demands that I come pick up a check for a reimbursement of my investment. I do not come and get it. Next thing you know, the company attorney huffs and puffs and tries to scare me with some strongly worded letter. 
This is the same idiot attorney who screwed up my contract to work on the business and my investment agreement. Let's call the attorney Mr. Cohn. I sent an email to Mr. Cohn that he screwed up. The company seems to be doing well. That I hear rumors about how well it's doing. That I want to be on this for the foreseeable future and I will not take a one-to-one -one cash out for what I put in. The attorney then emails me back, stating in writing that Mark never accepted my electronic transfer into the company account. Instead, Mark has another company that he accepted the money into, a company that I've never heard of. A company that's different than the name of the recipient on my electronic transfer. A company that would be committing wire fraud to accept the money that I sent. On that note, I did some sleuthing online. I found out that Mark had been forming one company every month or two. Then I found media reports and documents that he put in shared drives that he forgot that I had access to. These documents showed me that Mark had gotten money from investors that was 200 times more than what I had invested into the business. Mark did not disclose my investment to the new investors. Mark had, however, put me on documents showing my ownership to previous investors. These weren't documents that I had ever seen before, but they were on documents that he had been sending around. When I share my suspicions with Mr. Cohn that Mark is committing wire fraud, I'm told that I'm breaking the law by even knowing anything about the investment documents used. Mr. Cohn tells me that by not picking up my check, I will not be entitled to any money and to contact law enforcement if I think something illegal's happened. He warns me that I'll be the one in trouble. So, cue the malicious compliance. I let the different respective members of the Securities and Exchange Commission, along with law enforcement, know what happened to me. I provided them all the documents I had from the matter. It took about five years for the investigation to conclude, for charges to be brought, for a trial to conclude, and for Mark to go to jail. They say the government is slow, but they aren't kidding with just how slow. Maybe it was slow because Mark was running a large fraud, like to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. Anyway, Mark will be serving time for about 30 felony charges they found uncovering the details of his Ponzi scheme. He'll be away for a long time. I never did anything wrong. With the info I was able to provide, Mr. Cohn ended up getting disbarred. The investigators credited me with bringing the fraud to their attention. I lost money in this ordeal, but I gained an education and I got to help bring down a crook. The sheer stupidity of Mark is that he didn't even follow the business plan I had. He just used it as a story to convince investors to give him money. It's a business model that works very, very well. It took a few more years, but I'm now in a position to be pursuing this business full-time with people of high integrity who all work together to ensure each other's success. We expect to have an extremely profitable year in 2023 after proving the business model worked in 2022. Awesome, OP. So this guy, this guy, <laughs> this lawyer was the lawyer for a massive Ponzi scheme and is like, oh, if you don't like it, call the cops. Okay, I'll call the cops. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't mean actually call the cops. I mean, we're not doing anything wrong, of course. We don't want cops around here looking into our records. Oh my God, you're not calling the cops, are you? What an idiot. Our next Reddit post is from Substantial Term. I once worked for the second most toxic man I've ever known. This was a small business that consisted of him, the owner, myself, and a long-suffering colleague. This guy was in complete control of the company with no one to report to. 
My boss was an absolute man-child who would launch into hours-long, absolute red-faced rants over the smallest inconvenience. And then, as soon as his problem was solved, he would act all frustrated and sulky that we weren't all celebrating his victory. He would have these tantrums several times a week. Our shop was on a high street, so I felt bad for our business neighbors having to put up with him. It's only now, years later, that I remember we had student flats above us as well. When my boss wasn't risking detonating his own testicles into a fine red mist of rage, he was otherwise insufferable. He would also frequently get hyper and giddy and make fun of us, lost in a fit of giggles while calling us nonces. Or he would decide that some new form of honor should be bestowed upon him, like we should call him Sir or Master or Darth. Seriously, imagine a man who has never in his life held a stick or a pole without swinging it around making lightsaber noises. One day, he decides that we're supposed to call him Daddy Cool. We argue and resist, but he is insistent that henceforth we have to call him Daddy Cool. I step away from his insanity to take my lunch in the basement. I chill out a little, and my own anger settles into weary resignation. Dangerous, perilous, weary resignation. I climb the steps from the basement. I burst through the door and bellow out in my stage voice, Daddy Cool! Customers are in the shop, being tended to by my boss. I ignore them. My colleague crumples into hysterics, gasping, Oh my God, between breaths. I say, We've run out of such and such product, Daddy, <laughs> Daddy Cool. We should also order some new such and such, Daddy Cool. I address him as Daddy Cool for days until he's like, Okay, alright, that's enough. Actually, no. I continue to refer to him as Daddy Cool well beyond him begging me to stop. And several more times as necessary over the years when a reminder is necessary. Our next Reddit post is from JRA. I was on base, working the sandwich bar in a dining facility. I had a long line of customers because when I worked the sandwich bar, I added way more food than I was supposed to. As I'm rushing to get the soldiers in and out, I get a female sergeant, and she tells me that she's a cook for the other dining facility on base. Naive me thinks that she's trying to be friendly, but instead, she walks over to the utensil rack, takes a fork, brings it to me, and in her most Karen and loud voice says, So, I know you're supposed to use a fork to grab the deli meat. She's not wrong. I was using my gloved hands because it's really hard to get the tightly packed deli meat separated, and I was trying to work faster so I don't get in trouble for having a long line. Even though she was right about the rule, I was still upset with her because of the way that she said it. She cared more about putting me down than the actual rule. As proof, first of all, it's unsanitary for me to use a fork that she touched with her dirty hands anyways, and she knows that. But I do it anyways because she's a sergeant. The first slice of meat separates perfectly, and I put it on her sandwich. But the second slice is married to the next one and will not budge. So now I'm scraping at the meat with my fork, and it starts to shred. She gets frustrated, but I'm loving it. As I shred the meat some more, she barks at me to just put both slices on her sandwich. To which I reply, Sorry, I can't do that. As you know, the rules are only two slices of meat per sandwich. To be clear, I never follow that rule, which is why I had a long line of customers. Once the meat was completely shredded, it finally separates. 
I figured no reason to stop there, and I made her the ugliest sandwich possible. <laughs> it was so bad that when I looked at the next sergeant in line, he held his hands up in surrender and quietly said, You can use your hands for my sandwich. OP, thank you for your customer service. Our next Reddit post is from Bella. For background, my old boss used to be more flexible. As long as we got our tasks done, if something came up and we had to slip out a few minutes early, they never had much of an issue. I rarely took advantage of it, but if I had to, I always made sure to make up those few minutes elsewhere. This new boss comes along and is such a micromanager and control freak. Now, we're not allowed to be even one minute late or leave one minute early. We need to actually put in for pay time off, either for a half or full day, just to be able to slip out a few minutes early. One day, I had an appointment, and I offered to work through my break time just to leave a few minutes early. My boss balked at the idea. So instead, I arranged ahead of time to take a whole personal day off. I booked myself for a massage and went out to lunch before my appointment. My boss wasn't happy with me for taking a personal day, especially since we're currently short-staffed, but I did follow their policy. That was r slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.